0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you and welcome to the show The Six Shooter is a United States Western old-time radio program Created by Frank Burt Who also wrote many of the episodes It lasted only one season of 39 episodes on NBC1. Old-time radio directory called the program, quote, a last desperate effort by radio network NBC to maintain interest in adventure drama by employing a major Hollywood movie star in the leading role. Well, that wasn't nice, was it? (laughs) Particularly when you consider that leading actor was James Stewart, who starred as Britt Ponsett a drifting cowboy in the final years of the Wild West. Episodes ranged from straight Western drama to whimsical comedy. A trademark of the show was Stewart's use of whispered narration during the tense scenes that created a heightened sense of drama and relief when the situation was resolved. A lot of pausing goes on there. Tonight's episode, entitled Trail to Sunset.
2: In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the sick shooter. Just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Later this evening, listen to the NBC Star Playhouse with Leatrice Joy and Jeffrey Lynn. Here, meet the press, America's number one newsmaking program. And be sure to keep tuned for the dramatic story of communism in America on Last Man Out. A wonderful lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the Sick Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the Sick Shooter. NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the sick shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still remembered legends. It
3: had snowed during the night, a thick wet snow that bowed the pine trees and banked over the pink boulders turning them white I found myself lying under a good heavy six inches of it when I woke up oh, gee whiz <laughs> old Scar he looked like a white whiskered burl over there standing beside what was left of the campfire trying to shake himself dry all right all right take it easy boy just wait till I get the fire started again The wood I'd gathered up the night before was pretty wet, so I got a hand axe out of my pack and I headed over toward a little hill about a quarter of a mile away. Since the wind had been from the north, I figured some of the brush on the far side might still be drying up for burning. Yeah, it wasn't very easy climbing. A couple of times I went in and way over my knees. But the snow was already beginning to melt fast, even though the sun hadn't splashed into the sky yet. And that meant we'd be able to start off in an hour or so. By then, the stuff would be thinned down to mostly mud and water. I hit the crest of the hill and looked around. The south side sliced away at a good sharp angle, and the ground was fairly dry. I spotted a couple of dead oak saplings lying on the ground about ten feet below me. Seemed likely they'd catch fire without too much trouble, I was kind of surprised to find oaks growing at this altitude. Even so, I huh?
4: Ah.
3: Ah, there's some bothering scar. Probably a jackrabbit or squirrel or something. Like ah, well, he sure was making a lot of racket. Hmm. wasn't like him to get upset unless. Oh, well, that wasn't a jackrabbit. That was a whole lot more than that. I dropped my axe and I. Climbed back to the top of the hill as fast as I could climb. The sun was inching over the rim of Spooner Range, and first the reflection off the snow blind had made it. When I got my eyes focused, I I saw the fellow standing beside Scar, trying to cinch the saddle onto his back. Hey, hey, you! Hey, let that horse alone! He looked up, and for a minute he just stood there, as though he didn't know exactly what to do next. Then he jerked the leather tight and he put his foot in the stirrup. Scar wasn't being very helpful, but it didn't keep the fellow from mounting up. I knew I couldn't make it through the snow before they rode off, and I sure didn't like the idea of chancing a shot, not with Scar rearing the way he was. But I didn't have much choice. I, my first shot was wide, oh, maybe five, six feet, and Scar was taking the spur and sort of starting to move in spite of himself. And, Another minute or two, they'd be out of range. Now, oh, yeah, that was a little close, but not close enough. Nah. Bullet must have caught the fellow high on the leg. he twisted twist around tried to get a hold of the palm, but he, his fingers slipped off, and I saw him slide into the snow. I couldn't see whether he had a gun or not, but I found out soon enough. I died behind a clump of pine. There was a clearing between us, and he was using a boulder for cover little spray of snow told me I'd the rock right in front of him. I waited for him to answer my fire, but there wasn't a the sound from that side. Maybe he was just waiting, too, hoping I'd get anxious and come out in the open. Well, I wasn't going to be that obliging. <laughs> he still didn't answer. I reloaded my gun. And I edged over to the right. If I could... Just a circle without him seeing me. Maybe I could come up behind him. About 20 minutes later, I managed to skirt around the clearing. He was up front of me now, just a couple of boulders away. Got up on my haunches and I charged. And then uh, I saw why I'd been so quiet. He was sprawled out face down on the snow, staining it red... It wasn't just his leg that was doing the bleeding, either. There was a bullet hole in the small of his back, and the piece of cloth fastened over it had come loose. His gun was lying beside him within easy reach. I picked it up. There was still one bullet that hadn't been fired. He oh. started coming to, and I eased him over on his side, and his eyes kind of half opened. and it's just like his lids were too heavy for him to rise all the way. I... Was... Stole a lot of things in my time, but I ain't never been a horse thief before. All right, you better take it easy. What's the difference? I'm not gonna pull out of this anyhow. I guess I'm lucky. Dying is a whole lot better than being caught. I always said they'd never hang me. All their rewards, wanted posters. Just wasted time. I told them they would never hang Ace Dressler. Dressler? You yeah. heard of me, ain't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of you. Everybody's heard of Ace Dressler. Yeah, one way or
2: another. <laughs> Uh, Too bad it was your shot that did it, mister.
3: You could collect a mighty fancy reward. About $3,000 it must total up to. (laughs) And that's not counting yesterday. Yesterday? Stage Depot. Over to Sunset. Fell in charge, he... He didn't like the idea of being held up.
4: That's
3: how I got this bullet in my back. Oh? But I took care of him. He won't be shooting nobody else. You killed Sam Fletcher? I don't know his name, mister. You don't expect a fella to know the names of all the men he shoots, do you? How'd you get out here without a horse? Uh, it's a good 20 miles from sunset. I, I had my pony till just a couple of hours ago. All that snow coming down, he so, sort of missed his foot. And hurt himself bad. I'd say. I, I sure hated having put him out of his misery. He, were, he was a fine horse best I have owned. You <laughs> know, it's a rotten shame man having to kill a horse like that. Yeah, yeah. That's only reason I tried to take yours. I had to have some kind of mount. There's a posse on my trail. I Never stole a horse before, mister. I ain't no horse thief. Well, you think you can hang on if I heist you under the saddle? What for? Well, you need a doctor. Scar can carry us both. Only doctors in sunset. That's right. I'd never make it that far. Get see I'd never make it that far. Well, you can try. No, no, I'm not going back there. We might run into Posse along that way. Yeah, we might. He'd string me up. Even though there was dying. would string me up. And
2: I swore that nobody
3: hang me. I swore. All right, turn over on your face here. I'll put that bandage back. Listen, mister, you can't let him hang me. I'll be dead anyway just a few hours. You can stay here until... until... and then you can take me back. You can say you done it. Collect the reward for yourself. Three... $3,000, miss. All right, come on, turn over. As long as i And anyhow... Let me die out here. What do you want to give but lynch me? Nobody's gonna lynch you, treasure <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me your word. Yeah, yeah. You won't let me down, mister. I swear, I swore that I did never hang a stress. You, you, uh, he passed out again, but he was still alive, still hanging on by a thread. I managed to get a couple of makeshift bandages fastened onto him. The bleeding seemed to have let up a little. His leg wasn't hurt too bad. The bullet just sort of went through the flesh, and it didn't look like it had broken anything. But the wound in his back, I was I was more serious. As far as I could tell, the bullet had just gone all the way into his chest. I, I, I picked him up, and I... Laid him across Scar's back. Then I looped a rope around his body and tried to fix it so that he wouldn't slide around too much. It wasn't going to be a very comfortable ride, but as long as he's unconscious, I just wouldn't know it. All right, let's go, boy. Come on, come on. We uh, weren't able to make very good time with Scar carrying both of us through all that slush. It was almost two hours later before we came to the main Sunset Trail. And just as we turned on, I spotted the posse. At least what I figured was the posse. Five men loping along toward us from the east. Doc Prince headed the procession. He was the local dentist. And I recognized Ty Barstow and Frosty Ender right behind them. Two boys bringing up the rear. I didn't look familiar. They'd probably moved into Sunset since the last time I was there. Whoa, boy. Whoa, Whoa boy. Hello, Doc.
5: Uh, well, boys, what did I tell you? I said he was Britt Ponset. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, sure easy, did.
6: girl. I'm <laughs> uh, pleased to meet you, Mr. Ponset. I'm Cliff Slauson. And this here is hard north. How are you?
5: Hi. <laughs> yes, sir. I recognize you the minute you come into sight. I said, there's a the six-shooter, I said. <laughs> and I guess there's nothing the matter with my eyes.
7: Feels uh, like you're carrying quite a load, Britt. <laughs> what happened?
3: It's Art Tressler. Huh? Tre- Tressler? No. Well, I'll be doggone. Let's see here. Yes, it's him, all right. At
5: least, it sure looks like them pictures on the posters. Well,
8: if that don't take their cake. This neighborhood's getting to be a real outlaw's haven, I reckon. Well, maybe they'll change their mind about
6: hanging around after they find out what happened today.
5: Yeah. Yeah, we've done a pretty good job of taking in the welcome mat. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) If you ask me, we set a record.
3: With Ponce at half, uh, of course. Oh, you boys didn't need any help from me. You would have found Tressler yourselves for very long. Well,
5: what are you talking about, Britt? We didn't have the faintest idea he was in these parts.
3: I'm sure we were already on our way back to town. You mean... You mean you weren't looking for him? Of course not. Well, what are you doing out here, then? I, th- I thought you were a posse. We are a posse. But we were hunting
5: George Revit. Rabbit. Rabbit.
7: Yeah, you remember him, don't you? Rob filled Jeffers' general store a couple of years back. Almost killed old man Jeffers?
5: Yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, that. sir, he broke out of jail a week ago. The one over to Polk City. And what do you think he did? He headed straight for sunset and he tried to pull another robbery.
6: Yeah, only this time he did kill Sam Fletcher while he was at it.
3: Now, now, just hold on a minute here, boys. Now, you're trying to tell me that you're looking for George Rebbin and that you think he's responsible for the robbery at the stage depot last night. I
5: think? <laughs> we know it, Brits. Of course yeah, we do. I but did. we ain't looking for him
6: anymore. We found it. What? Yeah, just a couple of hours ago. Hiding in a cabin
5: over by Walnut Creek. That's right. And he won't be pulling no more hold-ups, neither. We saw to that. <laughs> now, no, 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 boys. Now, you better let me explain this to Britt. He uh, might think we was kind of hasty this morning. Yeah. It isn't as if we didn't give Robert a trial. A trial? Well, there was no doubt about his being guilty, Britt. <laughs> and seeing his house, there's no judge in Sunset, and we'd have to wait till next spring for a formal hanging. Well, we sort of speeded things up a mite.
3: You... You didn't string him
6: up yourself. Well, not very high up. Just a couple of feet off (laughs) the (laughs) ground.
5: Now, boys, now, boys, wait just a minute now. Now, uh, uh, now Britt, there's no point in your looking so all-fired serious. There's nothing anybody can do about it now.
3: Well, that's true enough, Doc. Yeah, there's nothing anybody can do.
2: We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Now, hear this. Within the next 20 seconds, a fire will break out somewhere in the United States. Lives may be lost, property damaged, homes or buildings destroyed. There are 4,600 fires in America every day of the year. They kill 11,000 persons and disfigure or severely burn thousands more. The unfortunate part of this picture is that most of these fires could be avoided. For example, 90% of all fires that start in the home can be traced to human carelessness. By obeying a few simple rules of fire prevention from now on, you and I can protect our homes and our families from this devastating menace. Rule one is, don't smoke in bed or discard lighted cigarettes carelessly. Rule two, go through your house and clean out old newspapers, magazines, and other inflammable debris. Rule three, promptly repair defective wiring as soon as you notice it. Fire won't wait until tomorrow. Rule four, use only those cleaning fluids which will not burn. And last but not least, be careful with matches. Keep them out of the reach of small children. Remember, it doesn't pay to gamble with fire. The odds are against you every time. Now, act two of The Sick Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett.
3: Well, I I just didn't know what to say. Hayes Tressler hadn't been lying when he told me about robbing the depot and shooting Sam Fletcher. A man man doesn't confess to something like that when he thinks he's ready to cash in, No. And as for George Rabbit, oh... He'd caused folks trouble ever since he was a kid. He'd been mixed up in all sorts of gunfights, too. Fights that usually ended up somebody else dying. But he hadn't killed Sam Fletcher. That's one thing he hadn't done. Oh. Well, looks like Tressler's still with us. Yeah. Well, I'd better get moving.
5: Well, you want us to take him into town for you, Britt? That's, That's a good, good idea. idea.
3: No, no, thanks. I... You see, I gave him my word that he was going to a medical doctor.
5: I don't get you.
3: You see, he was afraid he might be lynched. Well, we ain't got no grudge against Tress Britt.
5: Oh, I guess he's as mean as they come, but he ain't never given us no bother in Sunset. Is that so? I told you. We didn't even know he was in these parts.
3: Well, I guess you should have known a Doc. Huh? He's the man who shot Sam Fletcher.
5: Was uh, Fletcher. Was What's that? Oh, I know what you're up to, Britt. You're just joshing us. You're trying to make us uh, feel like we've done something wrong and take care of George <laughs> Revit. Yeah.
3: Well, all I'm saying is that Tressler told me he's held up the stage depot last night and he killed the fellow in charge. You ain't oh, serious. I'm about as serious as I can be. Oh, but, Britt, that don't make
5: sense. Why, Why it had to be Revit? What made you so sure? Well, we knew he broke jail. And somebody said they thought they'd seen him in town yesterday. Now, let me see who... Oh, it was Johnny Seals, I think.
6: Yeah, yeah, and we picked up his trail not far from the depot.
8: Well, he led right to that cabin on Walnut Creek where we found him.
5: He admit the robbery and the shooting? Well, you don't expect a man to admit a thing like that when he knows there's a rope waiting for him, of course.
3: Yeah. Well, well, I'll see you.
5: Oh, no, 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 wait. Well, now, hold on now, that you're wrong about this. Why, you just got to be wrong.
3: You think I'm lying, Doc? No, 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 no,
6: no, of course not, Britt. But everything pointed to Revit. Well, maybe Tressler was just making that up, uh, what he told you. Well, how did he find out about the robbery, then?
5: Well, I... Now, Britt, you know we wouldn't have done anything if we weren't certain in our own minds that we were right. Why, you know that. It's possible we made a mistake. Well, I'm not saying that we did, but it is possible.
8: Oh? Well, even if we did, Revit deserved hanging. He's deserved it for a long time. Uh,
5: sure. Yeah, sure yes, that's what I'm getting at. We didn't do any harm, Britt. Uh, not really. You didn't? Huh? Oh, of course not. But but uh, if you were to tell folks about this, well, they might not see
3: it our way. They they might figure that we took too much on ourselves. Uh, so you won't say anything, will you? Well, all I'm doing is taking Tressler into town. Whatever he says after he gets there, that's up to him.
7: Uh, well, I know, uh, you but don't I don't need know, but... to worry about Tressler. He ain't going to say nothing,
3: huh? Well, take a look. Yeah, he was dying. Wasn't any doubt about that. I cut the rope that was holding him on the scar's back and carried him over to a dry space just off the trail. And just before I could put him down, he gave a little shudder and I felt the life ease out of his body. Well, he'd been right about one thing... Nobody would ever hang Ace Tressler.
7: Yes, that saves your trip into sunset, eh, Britt?
3: Well, I was heading for there anyway, Frosty. Oh? As long as I've come this far, I might as well go the rest of the way. Well, I do...
5: Now, look here, Britt. uh, Ace is dead. Yeah? Well, then, don't you see that there's nobody to say whether he was the one who killed Sam Fletcher or not?
8: Nobody but Britt. That's right.
5: Now, 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 suppose we did go off half-cocked. I uh, Suppose we were kind of hasty with Revit. Well, we're sorry about it, but there's nothing we can do for him now. It seems you told me that before. Well, it's the
3: truth, ain't it? Sure.
5: Well, then what would you gain by getting us into hot water? Letting people know that we kind of uh, uh, overstepped the mark?
3: Is that what you call it? Overstepping the mark?
6: Well, it'd be different if Revit was
5: innocent.
3: Well, somehow I got the idea that he was. Well,
6: yes, of this robbery, maybe, but, uh, well, he... Uh... I had a brother, Ponset. He'd be alive today if it wasn't for George Revit.
3: Mm-hmm. Is that why you hung him, to get even for your brother? No, 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 of course not. We were just doing our duty as citizens. We thought he shot Sam Fletcher. Well, why,
6: why are we standing here arguing? If Ponset wants to try and make trouble, well, he ain't got
5: no proof. It's his word against ours. That's right. Cliff's right. We can even say that Revit confessed. Why, everybody at Sunset will believe us.
3: Well, then I don't see w- what you're so worried about.
5: That. <laughs> well, we ain't worried, Brit. Not really, of course we're not. I know you pretty well. We've been friends a long time. Why, you're not going to go out of your way to stir up a hornet's nest? No, I'm sure of that.
7: Well, I ain't so sure. Just a minute, Ponsett. You're not leaving here
5: yet. Uh, uh, now, Frost.
7: And, boys, it's about time we start using our heads. If he goes into town and spreads his story around, they'll all believe it. Whatever Brit Ponsett says, that's gospel.
6: But he ain't gonna say anything.
7: That's right, he ain't. Because he ain't riding into sunset. He's turning around, heading east. Is that so? I, I know you're a fast man on the draw, but there's five of us. You're not that fast.
3: No, I
5: reckon I'm not. We don't want to get any mix-up with Brit, Frosty. Because...
7: What do you want? People to start saying we murdered George Rabbit. Murdered? Well, that ain't what we done at all. His family might not agree with you, Cliff, if they found out the truth about that hold up last night.
5: And he's got a brother, too. Well, maybe there is something in what Frosty says. But uh, we can't stop Britt. Now, he, if he takes it upon himself... We stopped
7: Rabbit, didn't we? <laughs> Frosty... Put that gun away. Sure, I'll put it away. After I'm sure that Ponce is riding east. And I'm warning you, Britt. You ever breathe a word about what Trussler told you? I, I
3: don't like being ordered around, Frosty.
7: And just keep away from sunset. Now move. I said...
3: Well, I held my ground. I knew Frosty Ender pretty well. I, I knew he wouldn't shoot. His business with Revit had pushed him into deep water, but not that deep. I watched his jaw muscles tighten up, and I saw a little bead of sweat begin to gather between his eyes, and for a minute nobody said anything. And then Ty Barstow shoved forward.
8: I told you to put it away, Frosty. Wasn't what we already done today bad enough? You want to kill somebody else? We done nothing wrong. Get that through your skull, Ty. Rabbit deserved to hang and we hung him. What about Britt? Suppose he deserves being shot? No, no, not unless he asked for it. That gun you're holding just proves how wrong we were this morning. If we'd been right, you wouldn't need it. Shut up. If we'd been right, we wouldn't be standing here feeling ashamed. Even you feel ashamed. That's why you don't want nobody to hear about it. That's why you're threatening Brady. Yeah,
7: and I'll make good on that threat, too. Well, no, you won't.
8: Because we're going into sunset and tell him what happened. We're going to take our medicine. You're gone, loco. And it ain't just because Rabbit didn't kill Sam Fletcher, even if he had. well, no, he still wouldn't have been right. Oh, I reckon we wouldn't have found out so quick, but... We'd have found out sooner or later.
7: You know, what's the matter? You You're yellow. You got a streak a yard wide down your back. You were just as anxious to string up Revit as the rest of us. Things didn't turn out the way you figured. Yeah, that's true enough. Hey, yellow, that's what you are. Clear through.
8: You've got the gun, Frosty. You can stop me if you want to. Doc, you coming along? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cliff, kill okay. Sure. Hey, you
7: crazy fools, we didn't do nothing wrong. What's the matter with you? Hey, why can't you see
4: that? Hey, hey.
3: And Frosty kept on yelling until they were almost out of sight. And then he turned and shook his head like he couldn't figure out what had happened. I picked up Tressler's body and I laid it across Scar's back. And Frosty swung around and stared at me.
7: If it hadn't been for you, folks would have said we'd done fine. Nobody would have known about Tressler. Why'd you have to meet up with him today? Why?
3: Because it snowed last night and his pony stumbled and he needed another horse.
7: That ain't no reason.
3: No, maybe not, Frosty. Maybe not. You coming into town? Yeah. Let's go.
2: 50,000 trained nurses are needed now, today. Nurses to serve humanity in hospitals and private duty, in teaching and research, in the Veterans Administration and the Armed Forces. And although a nurse's training means a thorough professional education at far less expense than four years of university, it offers a curriculum which includes such fascinating studies as psychology, sociology, and chemistry. And upon graduation, the student becomes a registered nurse and in some schools obtains a Bachelor of Science degree as well. These, then, are the facts of a nursing education. The need has never been greater. The opportunities for a vital, useful career have never been finer. For further information, we suggest that you contact your nearest hospital. The Sick Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Robert Griffin, Harry Bartell, Lamont Johnson, Howard McNear, and Forrest Lewis. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam. The entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Oh, by the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the sick shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Services. This is John Wall speaking.
1: Stay tuned for The Bob Hope Show, next on Theater of the Mind. Well, it's time for old ski to entertain. Bob Hope welcomes Chico Marx to the show.
9: I hope review and smiles are here again. Ah, thank you so much. And welcome you all to our fun shop.
10: While we manufacture the laughter, it's accident sales that we're after.
9: To make your smile
10: the more worthwhile. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back again for the GOP. Good old Pepsodent.
4: <laughs>
10: Tonight I'm just a lull between election returns. You know, there's been so many campaign speeches on the air lately. I turned on my radio last night and it handed me a cigar.
4: <laughs>
10: and what those politicians say about each other It sounded like they were doing their Christmas wrapping early.
4: <laughs>
10: well, election day is almost over and I'm pretty tired. My uncle ran for office in Eagle Knob, California, and I've been voting all day. <laughs> But it doesn't pay to be honest I voted 12 times a day And I only got paid for 10
4: <laughs>
10: When my uncle got through voting The ballot box was so stuffed It had to take 6 bicarbonates of soda <laughs> My uncle isn't exactly crooked I'd say he was sort of a pretzel with skin
4: <laughs> When he
10: was running for office last year He said he'd do the public good And when he was elected He kept his word <laughs> He did them good <laughs> You'd like him. He's a great man. He came up from the gutter, and boy, is he homesick. (laughs) He's a very thorough politician. Two hours before the polls opened, he put in his application for a recount of the recount. (laughs) He had so many cigars in his pocket, he looked like a pipe organ. I want to take this opportunity to thank the 26 intelligent, honest, right-thinking voters of Eagle Knob who voted for my uncle. The other 2,000 know what they can do. (laughs) But the people are really slow in Eagle Knob. I entered the polling booth there, pulled back the curtain on the voting machine, and what do you think I found? A guy still voting for Hoover. (laughs) But that's enough of that. Bill, tell the ladies and gentlemen who's elected to entertain the peps and the voters tonight. Well, Bob, we have one of the famous Marx brothers, Chico Marx, and in our usual roundup, Skinny Ennis and his band, the mad professor Jerry Colonna, through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, Six Hits and a Miss, and Bob Hope. Oh, that's Bill Goodwin, ladies and gentlemen, the big outdoor man. We went up to his cabin in the woods over the weekend to do a little deer hunting. I came back without a buck.
4: LAUGHTER
10: Reminds me of Santa Anita But boy I said There's nothing like Getting out in the open I love to go hunting In the woods It fills me with something Buckshot But it's marvelous Up there around Bill's cabin The deers eat Right out of your hand. Here in Hollywood They eat right out Of your pocketbook Isn't that a slick line Oh but I said The first day Goodwin Shot at a moose He came so close He shot the milk pail Right out from under it The second day out, I came face-to-face with a bear. It was pretty horrible for both of us.
4: <laughs>
10: it was a very old bear. didn't have a tooth in its mouth. They were all in my arms. <laughs> Bill shot at the bear 15 times without hitting it. Suddenly, the bear ran in the woods and came out a second later with a large red bullseye over its heart.
4: <laughs> a large
10: red bullseye over its heart. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we went a little deeper into the woods and ran across an elephant. The elephant came up to me and said, "Uh, I've been hiding in here all day. How did we make out in today's election? (laughs) I told him and he went deeper into the woods. You know, uh, as Skinny Ennis and his band were up there hunting, Skinny's a great hunter, he fired one shot and ran up to Goodman and said, Is the guitar player out of the woods? Goodman said, Yes. Then Skinny said, Really? Then I shot a bear. A nice cabin you have up there. Uh, did you really like it, Bob? Yes, Bill, except the bed you gave me. Well, when I made it up, I asked you if you wanted one lump or two.
4: <laughs>
10: Bill, that bed was so uncomfortable, even a beaver got out. <laughs> well, anyway, the trip was a success. All except the last day. I fell on a porcupine. Really? Did you get the needles? Well, Bob, I, I have so many needles in me. Every time I eat spaghetti, my stomach knits a sweater.
4: <laughs> Hiya, fellas. Hiya, Hi,
10: Say, hey, Skinny, did you ever hunt there? Yeah, but I don't like it. The leaf pickle. <laughs> the leaf pickle? Yeah, but I'm I'm disappointed in you, Bob. Why, what about, Skinny? Did you know that bread dog you sold me? Yeah. Well he doesn't sing a note.
4: <laughs> a hunter.
10: Skinny, you couldn't bring down a duck off a meat hook. <laughs> well, everybody liked you up there, Bob. Really, Bill? Uh-huh. Even the parrot in my cabin. The parrot? Yeah, he woke me up in the middle of the night and said, Is that Bob Hope, the comedian? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, Yes. Yeah. So the parrot laid an egg as big as an ostrich and said, Let me see him top that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
4: you, Bill. And now our six
10: tips of the mess are going to sing out Johnny Mercer's version of the musical football player... Jamboree Jones. Take it, Tyler.
9: Begin the story out of West Virginia, in the little college. All the student body the cares football. Never mind the knowledge. Never mind the sheepskin. They prefer the pigskin. Seem to have it in their bone. They know all about it. Couldn't live without it. All except a certain Mr. Jamboree Jones. He played the clarinet with all his might. He studied night and day. He practiced day and night. Running up the field for Mr. Jones. He'd rather run up the scale and down the scale. What come while the team marched on to greater fame? Till they were asked to play the famous road Bowl game. Oh, Roses! And on that day of day, the students sing. What did they do when the team marched on the field? I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, they sing. Raw, uh, raw, uh, raw, raw, This to the go!" watch them go. Boom. Starting from the kickoff, they pulled out a kickoff, they could win it. Instead of going forward, they were going backwards five miles in a Seeing their position, they called intermission, mission, they heard the referee say. Seven means nothing, ain't exactly nothing. You got five minutes to play. <laughs> and from the stand, there came a distant whale, and it was Jamboree.
4: A swinging ball.
9: We laughed, and then the students they began to yell. The players marched up the field and down the field. Now, now, and today the Hall of Fame still proclaims the hero's name. Jamboree, they can't forget one football game with a clarinet.
10: In 1754, a certain young Englishman received a letter from his father which read, I hope you take great care of your teeth and that you clean them well every morning and after every meal. But I do insist that you never use any of those sticks or hard substances which always rub away the gums and destroy the varnish of the teeth. And who do you think wrote this letter in 1754? It was none other than the famous Lord Chesterfield. Now fortunately, the sticks and hard cleaning substance he speaks of have completely disappeared from modern American life. But the rest of Lord Chesterfield's advice is as important today as it was nearly 200 years ago. Think how he would have greeted Pepsodent toothpaste containing irium. Irium is the cleansing agent found only in Pepsodent of all toothpaste. Gently, quickly, effectively, it helps Pepsodent toothpaste brush away stubborn surface stains, leaving your teeth gleaming with natural brilliance. And always remember, Pepsodent toothpaste containing irium is safe in its action on teeth. Safe for children, safe for adults. Because it contains no grit, no drugs, no bleach. Try Pepsodent today and see how effectively it reveals the true beauty of your teeth. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we take great pleasure in presenting one of the foremost comedians of Hollywood, One of the famous Marx Brothers whom you saw recently in the great RKO picture room service. Here he is, Chico Marx. Thank you very much. Well, so long, Bob.
4: Wait a minute, Chico,
10: Chico, what are you leaving for? When the people applaud, that's enough for me. Wait a minute, we got to do a show. I know, but i got to go home and learn how to play the piano. Well, can't you learn how to play next week? No, next week I'm giving a concert. (laughs) Yeah, well, what about our audience? You've got to do something for them. Okay. (laughs) Wait a minute, Chico. This is no place to sell ice cream. Why not? We need some good humor around here. (laughs) Besides, Bob... I got to make it some money. But, Chico, you're getting a check for this program. Whose check? My check. <laughs> Look, Chico, what are you going to do tonight? Well, I think I just stand in the back and hit. Well, you'll have plenty of company. <laughs> well, goodbye, Bob. I must go home now. <laughs> Say, Chico, you like that house of yours, don't you? How many bedrooms have you got? Bedrooms? Let me see. Uh... Oh, we got to know bedrooms. No bedrooms? What do you sleep in at night? In my night sir.
4: <laughs> Some joke, <laughs> eh, boy? <Lord? laughs> yeah,
10: I think it's my turn to stand back here and here. Say it. Uh. <laughs> you got any bathtubs in the house? Well, I tell you, we got a new plan. We got a shower right over the bed. Shower right over the bed? Mm-hmm. All we got to do in the morning is to turn the water on and then we don't get wet.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
10: well, why don't you get wet? We don't sleep in the bed.
4: <laughs>
10: Look, Chico, if you don't sleep in the bed, where do you sleep? In the park. Yeah, but if you sleep in the park, what do you need the house for? Well, we've got to have a someplace to keep the (laughs) bed I don't know, but that sounds kind of stupid Yeah, I got that from my uncle He was a kind of stupid fool Way over like this (laughs) I get it, I get it, Chico
9: Well, let's go on, Bob
10: (laughs) I got to go now, I'm just itching to go home Now, wait a minute, Chico, you've got to play the piano All right, so where was I? You were just itching Okay, we start from scratch. (laughs) Wait, I've taken my coat off. All right, say, that's a nice coat, but why do you wear it inside out like that? The other side it belongs to Groucho. He's wearing it. (laughs) I wish I was with him. Ladies and gentlemen, Chico Marx will now play his own arrangement of an original composition based on the second Hungarian Rhapsody by Franz Liszt. A ticket for the Rose Bowl the football game? For the Rose Bowl? I'll say how much? Well, for you, $5. $5? $5. Dollars? Five dollars. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's your $5. Okay, here's your piece. A yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> piece? Wait a minute. How about the rest of the ticket? Oh, that's no good. I can't make a much profit selling a whole ticket. <laughs> well, you only gave me the top part of the ticket. That's all right. You only sit on the top part of the seat. <laughs> Bob, I forgot to tell you. You know, you've got to go to sea for that football game right in the middle. In the middle? Uh-huh. Yeah, right behind the middle of the scoreboard. <laughs> behind the scoreboard? But how do I see the game from there? Well, I tell you. I sell you a nice brace and a bit. Then you'll make a nice hole for yourself. <laughs> I'm in the hole now. How much does that cost? $4.25. $4.25 for a brace and bit? Yeah, $4 for the brace and two bits for the bit. <laughs> Scrocho was here to give me an answer for that one I miss him more than you do
4: <laughs>
10: <laughs>
4: Sounds like Harpo <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> it's, all right.
10: it's all right Chico, anybody can drop a script Go ahead, it's all right I know, but I saw those jokes before <laughs> To see him again, too. Huh? <laughs> hey, Bob. What's that? I'm going to do you a real big favor. Oh, don't go home too early, Chico.
4: <laughs>
10: no, I'm going to let you have a pair of field glasses for the game. Well, Chico, I'm not so sure I can afford it. How much are you going to let me have them for? Very cheap. Only 25 cents. Well, that's reasonable enough. Now, how about with some lenses for the glasses? <laughs> Fifty dollars. <laughs> but Chico, how much would you charge me if I don't go to the game? Well, what seat are you not going to sit in? How about not sitting on the fifty yard line? That's no good. There's too many people not sitting there now. You'd be in the way. <laughs> Hey, Bob, we got some more jokes. <laughs> well, here we go again. What is it now, Chico? I got a something else you need very badly at the game. What is it, a radio? No, it's a map. It shows you how to get to go out for the game. Yeah, that's a good idea, Chico.
4: <laughs>
10: <laughs> oh, I think it's a little late to put on your glasses. Look.
4: <laughs> Chico,
10: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's pretty crowded on New Year's Day. Let's take a look at that map. Here you are. Now look. You take a number 66, and you go out about a four mile. Uh-huh. That brings you to a 33. Yeah. Now you go out a 33 about two miles. Now 66 and a 33, that makes a 99. Now you're on the right road.
4: <laughs>
10: now you take a 99 for 280 miles, and that brings you to the Grand Canyon. Oh, boy, that's a beauty.
4: Say,
10: <laughs> hey, that gives me an idea, Chico. I've never been there, and I'll need a vacation about New Year's. Is there any fishing? Sure. Fishing and the hunting. You want to buy a license?
4: <laughs> I was
10: afraid of that. Wait till I go home and sell my annuity. <laughs> Say, maybe you'd like to have, buy these football tickets back. No, thanks. I'll let you have them for $3 apiece. No, thank you. Oh, all right. You can have them for nothing. I won't need them now. No, I don't want them. What's the matter? Don't you want to see the game? I saw the game. California won. 13 to nothing.
4: <laughs>
10: Wait a minute. That's the score of last year's game. That's all right. You got a last year's ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Skinny Ennis sings that beautiful number by Larry Clinton, My Reverie, based on a theme by Claude Debussy. Okay, Skinny, thanks.
9: Our love is a dream, in my reverie, I can't see that this love, love. Me.
4: Only, only a fool never do in a
9: world full of romance to be so cool as you are. begin to be, so lovely, as I love you in my revenue, make my view reality, let your dance with formalities. But you
10: A smile tonight, a little crowded over, maybe looking just a little sad, well then why not decide to swing over to Pepsodent tooth powder containing irium? Pepsodent, and only Pepsodent of all tooth powders, contains irium, the new cleansing agent. And irium is the remarkable discovery that helps Pepsodent remove stubborn surface stains from your teeth. At least twice a day, night and morning, every day of your life, use Pepsodent tooth powder and you'll be rewarded. It won't be long before you say you never dreamed your teeth could sparkle so, and you never knew your mouth could feel so fresh, so clean as it does when Pepsodent tooth powder containing irium is always on the job. Best of all, Pepsodent powder containing irium is safe in its action on teeth because it contains no grit, no drugs, no bleach. So if you want these effective cleansing results, try Pepsodent tooth powder with irium. (laughs)
9: Thank you. Round the mulberry bush The
4: mulberry bush Mulberry bush Stop beating
9: Round the mulberry bush.
10: Although it's made him dizzy That old bush leaguer Bob Hope Is going around in circles To give you his version Of stop beating Round the mulberry bush All right, circulate, Bob mulberry bush When
9: there's
10: a mulberry Bill Yes, yes, Bob I'm in trouble I got a summons for $50,000 You did? What's the matter? Well, look, last week yeah. I called up my girl And I told her to stop beating Around the mulberry bush And to come right out And tell me she loves me Yeah? I asked her to marry me And she accepted Well, I don't see any breach of promise there. Yeah, but I had the wrong number. <laughs> oh, boy, this is serious, Bob. What you need is a good lawyer. What I need is $50,000. Listen, I-, I know just a man for you. But One thing, is he good? I- is he good? Why, he got my sentence cut down from 90 to 60 days. Really? Gee, for having one headlight out, too. <laughs> oh,
4: that's wonderful.
10: If you ever go through a red light, let me know, and I'll give you a farewell party. <laughs> Come on, Bob, let's go. <laughs> Well, here it is, Bob. Law offices of Cohen, Goldfarb, Cohen, and O'Cavity. How did O'Cavity get in there? He put up the money. (laughs) Let's go in. Hey, gosh, it's dark in here. Oh, pardon me. That's all right. I'm only the desk. I wish they'd turn the lights on. We never do that during lunch hour. Why not? The bosses get jealous when they see me eat. Hello, law officers of C.G.C. and O.K. A divorce? What time would you like, Reno, Mexico, or radio? What's a radio divorce? When you get married again, we guarantee you a spot on the Eddie Cantor program.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.
10: <laughs> Say, look, miss, my friend Bob Hope wants to hire a good lawyer. Well, you better try someone else. The last case we defended was Paul Revere. the parking his plug in front of a plug. <laughs> Ah, a case, a case. Come right in. Have a seat. Have a cigar. Have an
4: accident.
10: Are you attorney, O'Cavity? Yes, and you can't lose. It's an open and shut case. You were home alone that night reading a book. Uh huh. Now I'll call Central Casting and get two witnesses who were with you.
4: Very
10: nice, but I have a breach of promise suit on my hands. Breach of promise? She can't do that to you. Promising to marry you? Breaking your heart? Leaving you crushed and broken like a secondhand Dixie cup? We'll sue for
4: $20,000.
10: That's well, but there's just one catch. What's that? She's suing me for $50,000. Oh, lucky me.
4: We'll
10: <laughs> so make a settlement. Let's pay $25,000 for her and $25,000 for me. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Where'll I get the money? Haven't you entered the movie quiz? <laughs>
4: <laughs> say,
10: what a lawyer. He probably went through law school on a student tour. <laughs> me. There goes another ambulance. This trial. Hold on to the customer while I do a little road work. <laughs> hey, don't tell me Attorney O'Cavity's an ambulance chaser. Mister, he's been chasing ambulances so long, he has roller skates on his briefcase. <laughs>
4: oh,
7: darn those ambulance drivers. Put grease on the running board again. <laughs>
4: Say, hey, uh, what were
10: you saying before they rang for me? I said I was being sued. Well, that's nothing. So Sally ran. Yeah, but she'll probably wiggle out of it.
4: <laughs> hey,
10: hey, how about making out your will? Only $25 extra. Uh-oh, uh-oh, there it goes again. Wait a minute. I'm going with you this time. Okay, hang
9: on. We'll wrap off the courthouse.
10: Hey. Hey, boy, this is a busy court. Listen to the hustle and bustle. Hello, Hustle. Hello, Bustle.
4: <laughs>
10: Sixth sessions. the Court of Sessions is in session, and I do mean session. Yeah, man.
4: <laughs>
10: uh, there's the girl right over there, Susie Subpoena. We all call her Sweet Sue. Uh, hello, Sue. Hello, Cassidy. Well, here we are again. Here you are, Giddy, your crack-a-crack popcorn alibi, sales bonds, and a footsie-footsie ice cream. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, that's the girl's lawyer, Ravelli. <laughs> hey, boss, do you call me? Yeah, I want to make a deal with you. That's fine. How about draw poker? Here's your card. <laughs> my card? I got a five bases. I can i tell open. What do you got? I got a headache.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Ravelli, if
10: you were my lawyer, I'd say you were crazy. As, As a matter dangerous. of fact, if you were my lawyer, I'd say I was crazy. Sounds, sounds just like Groucho. No? No. <laughs> tell me, why is your client suing me for breach of promise? I'm running a special on the breach of Promise this week. Next week, a habeas corpus with green flowers. With green flowers? Yeah, habeas Irish rose. Some place, <laughs>
4: eh? <laughs> no.
10: No. I object.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
10: I read anybody's lines. What, you...
4: <laughs>
10: what do you... What do you and I object? What... <laughs> What are you objecting for? The trial oh. hasn't started. Well, I'm just warming up. <laughs>
4: Fire
10: in the court. Order. The judge is about to appear. Greetings, state, let's arbitrate. Hello, <laughs> you know, Sue. How are you? Hello, Dad. Belle, where were you on the night of October 25th? At home. You should have been with us. What a brawl.
4: <laughs> <laughs> is the jury present? Hello, Judge.
10: Sue, you remember the boys? Sue, hiya, fellas. Hello, Sue. What's new? (laughs) I'll give three to one. I lose this case. (laughs) That's no good. You can get 12 to one from the jury. (laughs) Judge Colona, I think this 30 days! (laughs) But, Judge, that isn't 60 days. (laughs) Wait a minute. You can't give me 60 days. Ah, yes, Nave. My time is your time. <laughs> Bring the defendant and the plaintiff to the bar. You've got to tell truth, all through that And see your dentist twice a year. <laughs> I do. I do. I now pronounce you man and wife.
4: <laughs>
10: I object. You're here to dispense justice. Very well. Justice Wade will be dispensed with.
4: <laughs> Continue with the case.
10: It's your shot, Mr. Rivelli. <laughs> okay, I take to the witness. Hey, Hope, where were you on the night of February the 30th? There wasn't any night of February the 30th. Oh, so you sold that, too. Huh? I'm kid, I am a I? am not exactly caught of you either, Ravelli. I object. Objection Ob- overruled. All right, I object again. Objection overruled. That's fine. Now I got a pair of overrules. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Judge,
10: I'm getting sick and tired of this case. Yeah, come on, Judge. Don't beat around the mulberry bush and settle this case once and for me. Silence. I have reached a decision. Oh, please. I'm afraid to listen. What kind of a trial is this, anyway? Am I going to get justice? Ah, justice, justice, a famous justice once said.
4: Who? Who? I'm. Oh, there she goes again. Quick,
10: Where's my witness? Hey, that's for my case. Just a minute, Shyster. What about my case? And what about my case? I object. You can't object to the judge. Objection overruled. I'm throwing this case right out of court. What happened, Judge?
9: I forgot to let go of the cave. <laughs> Come out and say you love me.
10: What have we for next week? Oh, well, next week we're really going to town, Bill. We have that man with us. Yeah, that man? That man, Groucho Marx. He's coming over and explaining the whole thing. Then we'll have our regular cast, Kenny Anderson's Band, Six Hits and a Miss, mm-hmm. Jerry Colonna, Bill Goodman, and Bob Hope. Thank you. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Until next Tuesday night at the same time, the President Company bids you good night. This is the National Broadcasting
4: Company.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Sealed Book, followed by Ozzy and Harriet. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.